You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast presented by me, Kevin Lynch. Here we go! Happy Tuesday! Welcome back to another edition of the Tenuto Podcast. I've got a great guest for you today, but before we get into that, really quickly, we had a guest on the show a couple weeks ago. Her name's Catherine Presserin. She was the middle school band director at A.G. Wright Middle School, the school I teach at, and she put on a fabulous chorus concert tonight. So if any of you guys out there are friends with Catherine, go ahead and send her a message. Tell her, good job on the choir concert. She is one of my best friends, and she did an amazing job. It's concert week. Um, I've got one of my concerts on Thursday. got another one next Friday. And then I finish out the year with one on Monday, June 12th. So I've got three coming up. Uh, I keep teaching until June 16th, which is a pretty long time. But um, I can't say that I'm ready for the year to to end quite yet. I do really, really, really enjoy every single day that I'm out there teaching and every day that I'm out there with these students. Um, Today I was at a chorus concert and I saw some of my kids there. And I got a little sad thinking about the fact that they might be in high school next year. Uh, so I'm doing my best to savor every moment I can with them, especially my 8th graders. And uh, yeah, so it's been kind of emotional end of the year, but I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. Really, really looking forward to next year as well. But it's time to talk about my guest this week. His name is Dan Sherman. Me and Dan go way back. We were together at Penn State last year in the trombone studio. Um, we were together since freshman year at Penn State. He's from Boston, Massachusetts, and you will hear it in his accent. He's from Boston, loves Dunkin' Donuts, very stereotypical Boston boy. Um, I love Dan. We all love Dan. I don't think there's a person on earth who doesn't love Dan. And the thing about Dan that made me want to get him on this podcast is the fact that this guy has the work ethic of no other. He's undisputed. Nobody works harder than Dan Sherman. Uh, It's such a pleasure to know him. He's inspiring. And instead of taking the teaching route, he decided to go to grad school. And that's a route that really we haven't explored much on this podcast. And I've got a couple of friends who play trombone out in grad school So I decided this was the week. It's time to hear about how Dan's first year went. He's down in Florida, Gainesville, University of Florida, studying with Eric Shin. Now, one thing you should know before the interview starts, at Penn State, Dan and I both studied with Mark Lusk. He's the professor of trombone at Penn State University. This guy, Eric Shin, who works at the University of Florida, also studied under Mark Lusk. So there's a little tree of Mark Lusk students. Eric is in that tree. Now so is Dan. And Dan decided to go study with him. So we talk about the similarities and differences of their teaching. Um, And then we also just talk about what Dan's life has been like. The sense of adventure Dan has, it's crazy that he moved all the way from New England down to Florida. And to Pennsylvania. This guy is absolutely incredible. I really hope you enjoy listening to this podcast interview with Dan 
Sherman. I'm here with Dan Sherman, grad assistant at the University of Florida, studying with Eric Shin. And yes, he told me to say that slowly. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Just for all of our listeners out there, this is the second time we're doing this interview. Thank you to Dan for doing this again. My sound guy messed up. And I am the sound guy, so I messed up. (laughs) But Dan, thank you so much for doing this again. Anytime, man. So me and Dan went to Penn State together, and we studied under Mark Lust together. And then Dan went off into the world, went traveled south to Florida on a little adventure. Um, and Dan, tell me about your first year down at the University of Florida studying with Eric Shin, one of Mark Lusk's students as well. So we're all under that Mark Lusk tree. How, what was that like studying with someone who was a student from your previous teacher? It's sort of how you would expect that there were a lot of similarities between his teaching and Mark's that you could sort of just grab. But I mean, it's also one of those things that after four years of exposure to Mark's philosophy, his teaching style, his approach to certain problems, that you realize that you know what you're doing wrong it's or what you're not doing. It all depends. But it's something that you know you just need reminder of. Right, so, right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. So, Dan, you lived in New England, and you moved to Penn State for undergrad. We studied undergrad together. Then you moved down to Florida. I mean mm-hmm. – where do you get this sense of adventure from? Where do I get it from? A lot of it is just one of those uh it's almost like you need to go and find your own opportunities and that's something actually uh when I first met Mark um when was that? That was spring of my junior year in high school. Okay, Mark and, lost the Penn State trombone professor. Yeah. Yeah, and when I first talked to him, and I was talking to him about my high school experience, and I said, like, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting very many opportunities. And he says, then you got to go out and find them. Yeah. That I feel like that is the best entrepreneurial, like, uh, concept that I could ever really grasp is, like, some opportunities, of course, are going to come straight to you. But others, you got to go out, you have to go and just take it as it goes and see wherever you end up. And if you have the right mindset, then you'll do something, you'll do something good. Yeah, absolutely. And I I 100% believe that you are out there doing something good down in the University of Florida. So what are your responsibilities now? You had one you have one year under your belt as a grad student. You are the trombone grad student down there. I mean, what what were you doing down there as the grad student? Did you get to teach lessons? Um, did you get to conduct trombone choir? I mean, tell me about some of the experiences that you've had. Yeah, um there are really like two different sets of 
uh, responsibilities that most grad assistants that I've talked to and myself included have. Uh, that there are some that are more like logistical or in terms of organization, helping your studio teacher, whoever your supervisor is with, uh, whatever comes down the road, essentially, whether you need just something organized in the office I do with a whole music library, Dr. Shin and I, uh, and there are the occasional, uh, on the other side, there's the teaching aspect of it. And, um, a lot of that had to do with teaching different lessons, uh, to some of the undergraduate students, very young studio. So, a lot of it was building those fundamental skills that sort of evolve over time, whether that be uh, like actually on the trombone or just like the knowledge, just like little bits of knowledge, whether that be trombone related or even just college related. But um, yeah, I also did get to conduct a uh, piece on uh, one of our trombone choir concerts for that matter. And oh, wow help play with uh, some of the, like the university orchestra, the wind ensemble and stuff like that. So it's very cool. Yep. A great time. Wow. Very cool. Yep. Um, So Dan, for you, it seems like one of the biggest things that you do in life is network. You love talking to mm. people. You love getting out there, talking to new people, meeting new people. It's just who you are. You're a Boston native. Yeah. You know, you represent well. <laughs> You're very communicative, if that's a word. Um, and that seems, I mean, wh- why do you do so much networking? Uh, networking is the only way uh, from what I understand. Um, you, I think you cut out. Can you say that one more time? That networking in my idea, at least of networking, it's really the only way that you're going to land a professional gig or even semi-professional gig. Yeah. So just like simply networking's how I got my start on trombone or at least like my uh, semi-professional start on it with taking my first lessons was – just going up and talking to a conductor of a district band. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, if you want to take lessons, go and talk to this guy. He's a doctoral student at a local university, and he'll send you on the right way. And, yeah, lo and behold, it's all about who you know, and whenever the opportunity meets the preparation for it. Yeah. And I, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier where you got to go out and get these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, Most definitely. That's a good way to do it is just to go out and, and meet different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like your mindset on that. And, I mean, it's paid off for you because recently you just went to Cuba because you yep. know a guy, a big guy. <laughs> yeah, Uh our former teacher, Kevin and I, former teacher, Mark Losk, he has been organizing this trip down to Cuba with the help of his friend uh, from the Eastman School back a number of years ago, but uh, Mike Davidson. And they Mike is a uh, 
almost a Cuban music expert, if you want to put it that way. But he's been down there countless times, and he really knows the way around. So we did, in a way, like an American and Cuban music exchange, where this year we took a handful of trombonists from who are all alumni from Penn State and brought the trombone choir sound to Cuba, which... The I mean, just historically, the trombone choir developed in the late 1960s, and the United States and Cuba ceased any kind of diplomatic relations in 1961. So, therefore, the trombone choir as an ensemble had never been to Cuba before until now. So, we brought this whole new world of the trombone music making down there, and honestly it was a trip of a lifetime yeah that's i mean so mark has been going down there for the past couple years and every Mm -hmm. time people come back they always just don't really have words to describe it it's just it just seems like it's such an amazing trip um yeah that that's really really nice i i heard that you you had told me in the last interview that we didn't get to record um about playing in a really nice theater can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's uh, on the outskirts of Santiago de Cuba, which is like the uh, it's almost the southern border that uh, or the southern part of the island for that matter. And that was the city that we were based around for our uh, five days in Cuba. And on the outskirts of it, there is a massive, I want to call it closer a cathedral basilica than anything. And it's del- it's uh, dedicated and named El Cobre, which is uh, the patron saint of Cuba. And it has, like, it's just one of those spaces that you look in and there just aren't words to describe it. How truly incredible the sound was there. Yeah. So while we were there, we played a couple of... Uh, pieces uh one arranged actually by my teacher eric um we played the serenity by uh ola gallo from his uh one of his masses and we also played the o magnum mysterium by uh, morton lauridson so a couple of prayer oriented pieces that we performed as far as we could tell, like, this was a prayer to God through music. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool, man. That sounds like the trip of a lifetime. Did uh, Eric Shin get to go with you? Yep. He was with us on the trip. Oh, that's it, awesome. So that's pretty yeah. cool that you got to go with your current teacher and your former teacher. Yeah, definitely. And it's just a giant tree of Mark yep. Lusk. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. Really cool. So in the last interview, I asked you what your biggest struggle was in your first year as a grad assistant, and you said time management. Let's let's keep it positive now. You know, it's a little bit late. We're going to be positive, change it up a little bit. What was the best thing about your grad assistant year? I want to say it was uh, – it's really tough to really define it under one thing – the teaching aspect of it and how many opportunities there were for me to bring like that mark 
knowledge for lack of a better phrase yeah but bring that kind of mentality down to a bunch of students who have never met this guy know a little bit about it just like a little bit through dr shin and i but really bring those concepts about making the music happen and like having your mindset be above the notes and the rhythms that are printed on the page. It's all about the music and how your sound is communicating your message. So teaching like individual lessons and again, conducting, uh, just getting to work with a bunch of really young students who have like, I don't know, a moldable mind, I guess. (laughs) And, Yeah, yeah sure. so you were saying that there's there's only like freshmen and sophomore there this year, right? It's pretty yeah, young class. Yeah, this past year yeah. was entirely freshmen and sophomores and me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> very cool. I have this yep. very clear memory because you said teaching them about the things besides the notes and rhythms on the paper. I have this very clear memory of mm-hmm. being in college, and I was in class or maybe just getting out of class and I got a call from our professor Mark Lusk and he said in a very stern voice very angry voice like he was mad at me he said Kevin come to my office right now and I was like oh must have messed up I already know where this is going (laughs) (laughs) and I walk in and it's you and Mark and you're you're having a lesson and he makes me dance with you Oh yeah, <laughs> to your jury piece, and we just yep, we like, danced to that Zephyrs, <laughs> and and it's funny to think about now, but at the same time, I mean, it's such interesting way of teaching those kinds of concepts of of playing more than just what's on the page, and mm-hmm. and we danced it out, and you played it beautifully after we did that, so. I don't know if and you remember the, that, but I just also wanted to share had, that. Like, there was another moment from Kevin and I's undergrad. This was our last trombone choir concert that we played, which was, like, uh, November of our senior year. And Mark always told us about these moments where you just, like, have the audience in the palm of your hand, and you can do whatever you want at that point. And we were playing the, um, what was it called? The uh, uh, on the shores of Loch Loma. Yeah, Loch Loma. Yep. And we were playing this tune, and there was a certain point at the end. All the seniors were in front playing the melody, and Mark came up to us after that performance and said. That was a moment. That was one of those moments that you're never going to forget. And it was like, in terms of music making, like those are the moments that we all strive for. We try and have those moments every day. So that's the ultimate goal. Trying to to get there. Those moments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not only within ourselves, but within our students too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so, yep. Dan, the interview's winding down now. Hmm? I asked this question to everyone, and I, I'm going to ask it to you again, but in a different way. 
Think back to yourself that night that we played our last, our final trombone choir concert. I'm sure your mind was in a totally different place than <laughs> it is right now. What advice would you give to that Dan Sherman, November of 2015? I would say those moments are possible. They are possible. You lived through one right there. You have that picture in your head of what music has the possibility to do. And it's another uh, sort of, I don't know, luskism, if you want to say it that way. Yeah. But those moments are possible whenever you want. You have the power to do that. The only question is, are you going to put your entire mindset into the music and make those moments happen. Yeah. So that would be like my own challenge to myself. And it still is for that mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, I've been tasked with finding some new rapid fire questions for you because I don't want you to answer the same ones. That would be not genuine. <laughs> so right. are you ready for a new rapid fire session? Yep, I guess so. All right, Dan, let's do it. First rapid-fire question. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere, what would it say? Oh, man. Uh, Let's go Patriots. (laughs) You're the worst. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. Okay, Dan. What is the worst <laughs> advice you see or hear given in your trade? So, in trombone teaching. In trombone teaching, you said the worst advice? Yeah, that you've ever heard or seen. Worst advice, it, simply, you cannot do that yet. Or, like, coming from a student, I would, someone says, I can't do that. Yeah. Just simply, just the I words, can't do I that. Can't. And, yep. Yeah, that, and I think and that stems from your work. The only ethic. way to solve that, yeah. You know, you work so hard. You you are not one to say I can't. If anything, you're the one that says I can, and so can you. Yeah, and, that's, and for that matter, it's also saying like something that Mark would always tell us: you never say I can't. Unless it is followed by the word yet. Yep. Excellent. Anything's possible if you set your mind to it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a good quote. Do you have <laughs> any other quotes that you live your life by? Uh, I mean, there's the obvious one, put the music first. But also, um, I don't know, live life. And if you're not going to be happy... And if you're not going to live every day and be grateful that you have the opportunity to wake up and do what you do, in our case, music, if you're not going to be happy about that, you can't expect anyone else to be happy about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that's a good one, man. What is something that you believe that other people think is crazy? Uh, that ooh, 
Oh man, that's a tough, tough question. Something that I believe that others think is crazy. That it is possible to get that same kind of energetic, like almost a musical intensity, even if you're not at a rock band concert. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like these questions are not planned. And I and that was a surprise one. <laughs> yeah, I promise. Dan has not heard any of these questions before. Uh, I just had a good one nope. that is escaping my mind. Um, oh, here it is. What pisses you off the most? Uh, I would say not necessarily disrespect, but it's more about like general ignorance of someone of either someone's craft or what they're doing, what they're trying to do. Just like, that person who's looking off to the side and saying or almost like judging someone else on what they're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dan, we just did two interviews. Thank you (laughs) so much. And that was my interview with Dan Sherman. Thank you so much, Dan, for doing that a second time. Very unhappy with the fact that The recorder that I used did not work on Dan's end the first time we did the interview. But, you know, second time's a charm, and it was definitely better. For everybody that listened, thank you so much. Support the page. Give us a review on iTunes, and have a great, great Tuesday.